Lots of animals pretend to be other animals. Hiding and visual deception have helped countless butterflies, snakes, and millipedes either eat or avoid being eaten by donning masks and acting their little hearts out. But the mimic octopus takes things to a new level. The veritable Frank Caliendo of the animal kingdom, this cephalopod has a whole Rolodex of species that it can imitate. But camouflage and mimicry are just some of the many tools the mimic octopus uses to survive here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a slippery sucker pup that has more than 15 ways to get out of danger. I'm Carlos, or am I? Or am I just a mimic octopus? Yeah. With a, with a, like a robust vocabulary and a bachelor's degree. <laughs> uh, sucker pup, that came from a list I found on the internet of just amazing names for octopuses <laughs> i did not look up names for octopuses old tangly boy really oceans eight <laughs> bagpipes of the deep and leg 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 <laughs> old tangly boy also henry is on this list what <laughs> i want to the, the this guy did we say mimic octopus already he's the mimic octopus the mi- yeah. mimic octopus you alluded yeah. to it i'm so I'm, here are my nicknames that I didn't look up. I worked for these. Okay. Like five minutes ago. <laughs> the Angry Squish Pile, The Mocking Mollusk, and Octo Disguisey. He's the master of disguise. <laughs> oh, such a good reference that people will definitely get. Yeah, everyone will definitely get that. It's timely, and um, it was very popular. Yeah, well received. The ma- yeah, The Master of Disguise. But well the- received by me. Yeah, I I received it well as well. <laughs> but yeah, if you've ever played Dark Souls, you know that mimics are no joke. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, especially this kind. But tell us more about this guy. Like uh, where it fits in the animal kingdom? Sure. How about it fits in the animal kingdom? Kingdom Ooh, Animalia. That's a good one. Uh, also, the phylum Mollusca. I keep forgetting that cephalopods are mollusks. Yeah. That's, that's a weird thing to think. About. Speaking of cephalopods... The class is Cephalopoda. Oh, got it. And the order is Octopoda. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's a perfect order for this animal. It is, because it's an Octopoda. It's it's in the family Octopodidae. This is getting better. (laughs) And then the genus Thalmoctopus. Thalmoctopus? Thalmoctopus. I guess that works. Uh, The species is Thalmoctopus mimicus. Do you think that has to do with thaumaturgy from Dungeons and Dragons? Isn't that like where you, you pretend like something's louder, or you can make yourself, you can, you, you look scary. Yeah, you, oh, can, you can make yourself right. scary. It could, yeah. They might the root might be like fake, like like fake or mimic or something. Yeah, it's super weak. It's just a cantrip. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it comes <laughs> in handy sometimes. We're, we're just, like, people are are definitely jiving with us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Master of Disguise reference. Dark Souls. Dark Souls. D&D. Deep, deep cut D&D. We're doing well. If we just um, reference some true crime, we, we've got, gone, like, through the podcast types. 
Dark. Wait, Master of Disguise. Yeah, that's Dark's the movie, film, <laughs> films, video and game. entertainment, video games, D and D, D and D, and then true crime. Then there's also this one, the best uh, version I think, which is edutainment. Yes, animal edutainment. Learn and laugh. Speaking of edutainment, let me edutate you. Ew. <laughs> Don't become a- a- edutated. <laughs> Uh, but let me let me tell you what this animal looks like in case you're driving and you can't Google it. The mimic octopus is on the small end of the octopus size spectrum. Their arms are about the diameter of a pencil. That's uh, small. It is. They have smallish heads with a long spin with long spindly legs, also known as tentacles. Their heads have little quote unquote horns above each eye. That's why they're angry squish monsters. They are. Uh, they are normally brown and beige in color, but the, as we'll learn later, they're not always the same color. Spoiler alert. You may often see them in, with dark and light striped patterns, because that's apparently the scariest pattern. Uh, I'm, I'm frightened. Uh, it, it means that it's been to jail, like the hamburger. You're, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. They're jail voids. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, brother, where art thou, but octopus style. <laughs> They live all over the ocean, especially in the Indo-Pacific Ocean and around Australia. So all in that region. That's where the the deadly things live. Yeah, pretty much. That's the sequel to Where the Wild Things Are, Where the Deadly Things Live. Where the Deadly Things Live is a much scarier sequel. Um, Most octopodus... Is that that the plural? uh, ...like to stick close to reefs for cover, but mimics prefer estuaries and river mouths. And we'll learn why they're okay with being out in the open on the seafloor later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, the correct plural for octo- octopuses is octopuses, which is an awkward thing to say. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, I like octopi. I think it's fine and it's colloquially, colloquially acceptable. But here's why that's wrong. <laughs> well, you're right it's, that it's colloquially acceptable. Because it's like a trans- it's a translation from Latin to Greek. Yeah, so it's like you're taking, I think, the Latin... Yeah. The Latin plural and is tacking it, it onto a Greek word. Right. So octopodus is the correct Greek plural. Octopodus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I love doing that. <laughs> uh, but if you have no objections, uh, well, if you have no good objections, we're going to move right into the listener's favorite part of the show. <laughs> Good qualifier, because I definitely have an objection, and that's I don't want to do this. Okay, but you don't have no, no material that goes in front of it. Uh, we could talk about its uh, its charming personality. It's very charming. It's okay, gregarious. let's get right into it. Uh, we have a special introduction today. So, Measure Up is the part of the show where we uh, talk about the animal's size in relatable terms. In the form of a quiz, which I post to Carlos. And it's also the part of the show that's introduced by the listener. And today, it's introduced by some listeners. And it's a, it's a little bit special. Uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. I'm excited. That's why it makes it in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, friends of the show, Julia and Calvin. 
singing uh, Carlos a happy birthday. That was great. And also shepherding us into this, the most famous segment of this show. Thank you so much, Calvin and Julia. I got to say, this is not the birthday present that I was hoping for, <laughs> this, this measure up uh, segment, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, the uh, let's get right into the length. Uh, it's about 60 centimeters to two feet. Those are females, mostly. But I actually don't have a question for you. Good. Let's wrap this up and move but on. But somebody the... else does have a question for you. Okay, so here's your question for the day. Or one <laughs> of them, anyway. How many mimics go into the height of the tallest point on the island of Sulawesi, which is located in central Indonesia? Recognize that voice? I do. I hear it all the time. Wow, that's my beloved wife tormenting me. <laughs> <laughs> For your birthday episode and the season finale. Look at what you've done. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Bibby, for for recording that question. This is what I get for the planet being in a very similar position than it was when I was born. Yes. That's what a birthday is. <laughs> but also, I feel like she anticipated your struggle with this question. Mm-hmm. So here's a hint. And there's no shame in a hint. Your hint is, the mimic octopus was first discovered off the coast of Sulawesi, which is the 11th largest island in the world. So 11th largest. That doesn't help because it was the tallest point of that island, Listen, right? Listen, like, you would expect a very tall island to have a very large <laughs> base. <laughs> but what about a fjord? <laughs> I don't know what a fjord is. That's really. like an that's like an a mountain that comes straight conf- out of the water. I confused it with fording before, so on this podcast. Oh my goodness! All right, well, okay. How many mimic octopus females? How many female mi- mimic octopi octopodius uh, octopodalicious mm-hmm. go into the height of the tallest point in what was the name of the place? Sulawesi. Sulawesi, my favorite place. Yeah, go there. Every summer. I don't know. I just got to go to the 11th largest island this summer. It's in the South Pacific. So, and I, I'm i thinking of pictures of Vietnam and Thailand. And there's just some there's just some rocks that come straight out of the water, like hundreds of feet in the air. So, I think we think we're, let, let's, let's work with that and okay. go upward. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2,000 feet. Solid. So? So 1,000. So a thousand octopi. A, th- a thousand octopodaliciousness. Okay. Let's hear the answer. And the answer is 5,705 oh. mimics. That's a lot of tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right, Bibby. It is a lot of tentacles. And uh, I'm very wrong. <laughs> the island was 11, or the, the tallest point was 11,411 feet. This is not the first time that I've drastically underestimated the height of an island. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully you can get get a, get a little bit closer on the weight. Mimic octopi, octopodus, are sexually dimorphic when it comes to size, and females are much bigger. Males can weigh as little as a quarter of a gram, while females can weigh up to 10 kilograms or 22 pounds. I don't have a question for this one, but... Luckily, somebody else does. Hey, Carlos. For this measure up, your question is how many male mimics 
go into the weight of the gold in the priceless Panagoriste treasure found in Bulgaria in 1942. This is like when... <laughs> this is like in Jeopardy when uh, they go, they have a video of like some celebrity and they're like giving a question. Brian is that celebrity. Brian, that's the voice you just heard. Uh, he's the artist for all of the episodes um, and you can see that art... Uh, on ldtaxonomy.com you can also see more of his art at xnamaru on twitter and then also you can see his photography on instagram which is at brian underscore muscleman underscore check it out it is neat as fun anyway back to the he also does hand. he does those great like old timey life death and taxonomy yeah the uh, advertisements in there that which you can see at, on our Instagram yeah at LD taxonomy so we're going by the female weight the twenty two pounds no the male weight male weight which is what you said ten grams uh a t- um a fourth of a gram a fourth of a gram a quarter of a gram. I don't know what grams are. I'm not a drug dealer. <laughs> well, it was way. It was much. It was a smaller fraction of a of a of an ounce. I think. I can still better conceptualize that. <clears throat> All right. So they found a bunch of gold, in 1942, in some place. I'm gonna say it's actually. Do you need a hint? Nah. Let's. Because uh, I feel um, like that'll uh, that'll clear up what place it is. Can hear Brian's sultry tones. Once more. <laughs> Don't worry, Carlos, I got gotcha. you. Here's a hint to kind of clear things up for you. The treasure trove was found by three brothers who were digging for clay and ended up finding lost artifacts from the 4th century BC, including a drinking horn, golden decanters, a dish, and a vase used in religious ceremonies. I'm gonna... He sounds like a professional. <laughs> <laughs> he is a professional. Professional question asker and hint okay, giver. Okay, there we go. You, you orchestrated all of this? I did orchestrate all this, <laughs> yes. You gotta you gotta pull out all the stops for the season finales. Okay. I feel bad that your birthday didn't fall in the season <laughs> finale, but also it's tough for me to orchestrate questions when you're the one who asks all the questions. That's true. Alright, so I mean a find if if they found like thousands of pounds of gold, that'd have just been like King Tut's tomb level of of a discovery. Uh-huh. So, I don't think it was that much. I'm going to say 400 pounds. You know why? Because I can... Because <laughs> you said a quarter of a gram. Oh, no, that's not going to work either. I'm going to say 400 kilograms. <laughs> For the sake of being able to do the math easily in my head. Okay. And you said it was a fourth of a gram. Goes in... So, that means four of these... Four of these male oct, octopodalicious go into... A gram and a thousand of those, so four thousand go into a kilogram, times a hundred or times, yeah, times four hundred. It's either one hundred and sixty thousand or one point six million. <laughs> if by I can't remember how many zeros I put in the wait three zeros plus two zeros that's five zeros. That would be one point six million. One point six million male mimics. Yep. Let's go to Brian for the answer. Oh, nice. That was actually pretty close. <laughs> But the answer is 23,586 male mimics. <laughs> Brian, I wasn't close. He had he had faith in you. You He, he was more wrong than me. Because <laughs> I wasn't close. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, goodness, that was bad. 
the the no, weight the, of the gold was thirteen pounds. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid that it was like a like a, like a tiny find, and it was like, oh look, we got these six pieces of gold things. But it's it's priceless because of a it's gold, and b it's got a lot of historical value. Gold isn't priceless, but historical value does. It is. is. <laughs> it does priceless. It does priceless. That's it. That's all I got. All right, well, you've gotten my uh, the just the person closest to me to betray me in this way, and <laughs> and then some and adorable a, a, children, a, a friend, and some yeah, some of our biggest fans, and well, I'm just happy at, birthday. I'm at an all time low. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to some fast facts to cheer you up. Mimics use jets of water to poop. To propel, <laughs> to propel themselves along the ocean floor. Uh, it prefers to eat small fish, crabs, and worms. Uh, it's a skilled hunter that often uses trickery to catch its prey. More on that later. It may also it may ambush prey, but it's also been observed stalking and chasing down prey. Mimics are considered foragers because of the way they glide along the seafloor and reach into looking for food and reach into crevasses to find things to eat so foraging is a branch of behavioral ecology and most hunters fall into that category so foraging is different than ambushing and then also i guess farming there's there's different ways of getting nutrients and foraging is a pretty common one among predators but things like spiders that lie in wait all the time and don't go out looking for food they're not foragers. They're just ambush predators. Got it. So they can be a forager, an ambush predator, and a tricky guy. So what would a lion be? They technically forage because they They wander hunt. until they find their prey yeah. and then they attack it. So foraging is a pretty sophisticated way of getting food because foragers have to make decisions to forage based on Weighing the cost of energy to look around for food versus what they can stand to gain. True. So there's a lot of decisions that go into that. The size of packs and like hunting parties also are is a foraging decision because like lions will hunt in smaller groups than African wild dogs because African wild dogs can take down large prey and there's a lot of food to go around, but lions will require more sustenance so their packs are smaller their hmm. prides are smaller so that, there's something about foraging now we can get into the the nitty-gritty of all things major oh and we're, we're just doing deep cuts this whole episode <laughs> that's a nod to our previous podcast thunder smash which you can't find <laughs> yeah. i think you can maybe find a couple episodes yeah um all right so, why would we talk about the mimic octopus? It's just an octopus, and octopodeliciousnesses are boring. Not true. Not true <laughs> at all. I Even love cephalopods. <laughs> I think I think they're cool, and I'm. It's what we haven't done a cephalopod since we started this uh, this show. Yeah, that's true. The only one we've done is the Humboldt squid episode one, featuring Yoshi the Borkmaster. Yeah, and then it's funny because cephalopods are like one of the most common things in the ocean they are yeah then more than fish no fish are like i think fish have them by a little bit but they're gaining on them more than z- zooplankton i don't know zooplankton 
but like the the number of uh, squid, especially, is growing like crazy. And it's a thing that a lot of things can eat, so that's kind of good. Yeah, like up the calamari. Yep. That's what they're. That's what people say that we should do. Up the calamari. Stop overfishing and start getting them squids. If only calamari tasted as good as fish. Honestly, it's a toss-up. Fish is disgusting. Not all fish. Salmon and tuna I'll take. I, I tend to agree with you. I'm not a huge fan of fish. Yeah. If you fry it up, it all tastes good. <laughs> Fair. All right. Um, <clears throat> some, some tartar sauce. So the Mimic Octopus is not called the Mimic Octopus for naught. It is the only species in the world to mimic more than one other species. So, like I said in the intro, uh, animals mimic other animals all the time. We mentioned in the monarch butterfly episode that the viceroy butterfly pretends, well, it it has the same colors as the monarch butterfly because the monarch is um, toxic, but the viceroy is not. So, it can either become toxic or pretend to be a toxic butterfly. Is it toxic or is it just nasty? Because I know it tastes like milkweed, and that's gross. Maybe the milkweed makes it toxic? Maybe, to something. I don't think it's poisonous, but I think it's bad for whoever eats it. Yeah, it's going to make your tummy upset. Yeah, you don't want an upset tummy when you're eating butterflies. Right. You'll have butterflies in your stomach. Oh, (laughs) That's where that came from. (laughs) That is where they came from. (laughs) When you get this bitter taste and you want to throw up, it's because... uh, You just ate a milkweed eater. Or you're about to go give a public speech. Yeah. But the mimic octopus doesn't... So it, it does the same thing. It's not poisonous. It's not very big or uh, intimidating. So when things want to eat it, it doesn't really have much it can do. Other than pretend to be another not animal. delicious. Or dangerous. To pre- pretend to be delicious but dangerous. <laughs> Um, so while other animals can only mimic one the mimic octopus can imitate several different animals it does this to both catch prey and to avoid being prey to catch prey it will for example mimic a crab and that'll attract other crabs to it like it'll it'll mimic like a female crab kind of just sitting there on the ocean floor and then a, a male crab will come up and be like like hey I kind of like you and then the mimic octopus will be like I like you too and just eat him <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's the, that was a hard to pin down style of predation in terms of foraging versus <laughs> ambushing I guess it's ambushing it is ambushing it's like the photurus butterfly or the photurus firefly which we talked about in an early episode as well whoops uh, the Fortress Firefly pretends to be the the female of a different species to attract males to it, and then will eat the males. So very similar thing. Uh, the way that it pretends to be a crab, the the mimic octopus, is it'll find a hole and it'll suck all of its tentacles down into the hole, so that only it's like the it, the ridges on its eyes, um, it are like popping up out of the out of the sea floor above the sand, and it'll change its color and its texture to look as much like a crab as possible Mm -hmm. and then we'll attack when the crabs get too close so for one it mimics crabs 
Um, it can also camouflage into um, a rock or the sand to ambush prey, but the best mimicry comes when it's trying to avoid being eaten or attacked. So because it's relatively small for an octopus, there are a lot of things that would want to chow down on it. To avoid predation, M.O., you mimic octopus. Modus operandi. And his, his modus operandi. <laughs> um, his M.O. is to rapidly change his size, shape, color, and movement pattern to impersonate dangerous or poisonous animals. Which is crazy, because like, like I said, the, the Viceroy butterfly just looks like a monarch butterfly. It doesn't change its behavior at all to uh, to to mimic it. I mean, it's a butterfly. I don't know. If, I don't know if predators are gonna be like that's acting a lot like a monarch. Very very monarchish. Um, but so here are some of the animals that the mimic octopus will mimic. Uh, the poisonous flatfish. That's a one. That's a really common one. If you type in mimic octopus, you're probably gonna find it look uh, primarily pretending to be a, a flatfish. So. Um, it turns brown, so usually you said it was like black and white stripes, um, but it'll turn like this kind of uh, dull brown like the sand, and it'll wrap its arms kind of in this disc in front of it and have the ends of its arms trail behind it, so it looks like a like a horseshoe crab mm-hmm. uh, or a, like a, a ray, and then it'll undulate, kind of like swim by going up and down and yeah. moving its whole body. Uh, doing the worm. Yeah, do, do, it'll do the worm as it's like propelling itself with its with the jets that oct- uh, octopodaliciousness usually uses to, to move. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one of its most common ones because it can immediately do that as soon as it's, um, it's detected. The, the next one is a sea snake. So sea snakes are often... Um, like s- contrasting colors, like bands of contra- contrasting colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be black and white or um, brown and, and white um, in like very specific sections across a sea snake's body and, and they're incredibly poisonous. So what the mimic octopus will do will bring all of its arms together, uh, both in front and behind it. It'll s- suck its head down and per- and move through the water like a snake, and it'll turn black and uh, black and white or brown and white in that exact pattern. Yeah. Um. And or sometimes it'll just kind of it'll shoot up to the surface and float down like it um and kind of spiral spiral around like a snake that's tangled up. Not twenty on its performance checks. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty great. That's some thaumaturgy right there. <laughs> um, it can also pretend to be a lionfish. Uh, which, if you don't know what a lionfish is, you know about them in South Florida because they're all over the place. They're an invasive species of poisonous uh, fish that basically look like looks like a brown and white ball of spines. Yeah. Um, very, very venomous. Yes. Did I say poisonous? I meant venomous. I feel like there's a case to be made for both because it's defensive. No, it, it injects venom Yeah. when you hit it. But it is a defensive maneuver. It doesn't. I actually, it might use it to, to catch prey. I think it might be both. No, but poisonous. We can is, eat it. Yeah, you can. You you can eat it. If it tasted better, we would fish eat it more, more often. often. Um. But yeah. So what the mimic octopus will do was is it'll 
take all eight of its arms and stick them out like in random directions. It'll turn um, brown and white, just like the lionfish, and it'll shoot up to the surface and float down and kind of move around in the same way that a lionfish does. Uh, it can also imitate a jellyfish, so it'll it'll uh, inflate its head so that it looks like a, the bell of a, of a jellyfish. It'll swim up to the surface and then kind of just move its arms back and forth like a jellyfish does. Yeah. It's, it's, this is crazy. It's really smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, or it'll do that slow sink where its arms billow up around it and then it'll push off again and then slow sink. So any any fish or any animal that's like, ooh, look, look at that delicious octopus, and then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, no, that's a jellyfish, or oh, no, wait, that's a lionfish, or wait, that's a sea snake, or something like that. It, it doesn't have to look exactly like these animals, because when you look at the video, you're like, I'm not fooled. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're not a dumb fish. <laughs> well, like, for, for certain species that can't even tell the difference between a male and female of their own species. Yeah. Or they can't see color, or yeah. they have no like basal ganglia or something. <laughs> they're missing. They, they, they're just like, they're just a, a like a what is it? The cortex. What's the word for that? Anyway, they have very basic brain structure. Yeah. Um, and they don't really make that many decisions in life. They're probably just going to be like not going to mess with that sea snake and swim away. Um. And here's the other thing is that the octopus will look at the thing that's about to attack it and then choose the animal that's best for that situation. Yeah, that's what's what's got me amazed. It's like that's a level of decision making that's kind of high up there. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, look, does that- it have a Pokedex? How does it know? <laughs> it's scares- a, <laughs> a Rolodex. It's like, oh, look, this one's weakness is flatfish. Time to flatfish. Yeah. Or this one's weakness is snake. Time to snake. Yeah. That's what I'm th- like. How does it know that? It trial and error. <laughs> there's no error. <laughs> yeah, there's no error. There's an error. I guess you can if you can you can lose an arm and keep going and then grow it back and learn. Or maybe it's like um, so like a I don't know. Um, a parrotfish will come up and he'll be like, "All right, let me try." Uh, let me l- let me try lionfish. And then the parrotfish still swims up, kind of inspects for a little bit, and then leaves. And he's like, whew, that was close. Next time he sees a parrotfish, he's like, mimic octopus, form, sea snake. (laughs) And uh, then the parrotfish leaves immediately. And he's like, sea snake from now on (laughs) for parrotfish. I remember. (laughs) Uh, uh, Mimic octopus will remember this. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a tell... Telltale game for a mimic octopus. Um, but it also has this incredible camouflage ability, which makes sense because it can change its color really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it can cling to a rock or a piece of coral and then become practically invisible, even to us. It's like, watch it doing camouflage. Like, it'll just go up to a piece of coral, latch on, and then just become the coral instantly in front of your eyes. <laughs> it'll change its color to the exact color of and pattern of the of the coral. It'll uh, It can inflate little flaps of skin along its body for texture um, and change its texture to look rocky or um, or smooth if it needs to Um, and then just like the Humboldt squid uh, it has chromatophores that it can rapidly change 
And chromatophores are cells that have all uh, several different pigments in them, and they can inflate or or expand or contract them. So if it needs, um, oh no no wait yes, no they, so it has all it has chromatophores. Each chromatophore has one color color pigment. So if it needs to be brown, it expands all the brown ones, mm-hmm. and if it needs to be white, it it brings all the brown ones. It contracts all the brown ones and then expands all the white ones. Um, so that's what allows, and it happens really fast. It's not like a slow process like lizards. They're so boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was really, ex- I've, I've been excited about doing the Mimic Octopus since that first episode because I listened to it and I, and I was like, we should do totally do the octopus because they do textile camo- texture camouflage. And so we're finally doing it. We are. For my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I got. That's all I got. All right, so for you out there in Podcastia, read your lines, play your part, and when danger calls, become another person. Like the mimic octopus in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey everyone, welcome to the end. What season is this? <laughs> hey everyone, and welcome to the end of the season. Another great season with life, death, and taxonomy. It's season seven. We're done with season seven. That means we're that that's our seventieth episode. Things are great. We added an ed- embarrassment of riches. <laughs> but we want to take some time to thank the people that have helped make this show possible. We love doing it. And uh, we love it when we get reviews and feedback and help and engagement. Yes, we want to hear from you, especially the reviews. Because it's true. It, it, it is true. Because uh, they, they help us reach more people. They help people uh, know that we are a good show. Big shout out and thank you to James K. Poole and Muscleman Photos. Thanks for those five stars. Collectively, ten whole stars. That's a lot of stars. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Would review again. But we also want to give a huge thanks to some people that have just really made this... Season go good. A blessing. It's been great. Yes. Uh, Thank you to Bibby, my beloved wife, who just tormented me through this uh, measure up that we just listened to. And she did a great job. Yes, she did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) My brain is addled at this point. Um, thank you to Brian, who did the same exact thing to me. <laughs> but he did a great job. He also, yes, he also did a great job. And he also has been doing a great job with the art. Mm-hmm. Um, so check him out. Also, I'll try to remember to put links on the episode page on ldtaxonomy.com. Yes. It's a reason to visit our website. Yes. Um, and we also wanted to shout out to the Pool family, the entire Pool family. Uh, because... Uh, James just left us a, yeah. a review, <laughs> and uh, to Joy, and uh, to Calvin and Julia, to Laura, and to Laura. Yeah, uh, I think I think her her cooing is heard in the background of, of some of the measure ups. So if she, not yet, then it will be. It, yeah, it definitely will be. She'll she will be trained right <laughs> uh, in the ways of animals. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, your support is is invaluable to us it helps us keep going even when um we're 
bogged down with editing and writing posts for the show. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks so much. And that doesn't just because it's the end of the season doesn't mean we're stopping. It just means that more animals are coming up next week with season eight. Yes. Tune in next week for the dramatic continuation. Toodaloo. And now listen to the skit I made up. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Joe? I think I'm going to check out Life, Death, and Taxonomy on its Facebook and Twitter page. Great. Just remember to type LD Taxonomy into the search bar for either one of these popular platforms. All right. Let me just reach over and grab my mouse. Ah! What I thought was my mouse is actually a perfectly disguised mimic octopus. Gross. Wait, look, it's using the computer. It's logging onto Facebook and I don't believe it. It's liking our page, sharing our posts, and letting us know how much it liked our episode. Tell it about Twitter. No need. It's already following us and retweeting our tweets. Now if only it could send us a measure up. And when danger calls, become another person. Like the mimic octopus in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Just leaning it to the master of disguise. (laughs) But it it works out of context, so I kept it. I just added a word. You took out a lot of words. Like I have freaking carte blanche access. Just do that. (laughs) There's a checks and balances system here if you're going to change anything. All right, here we go.